Hey everyone, today I'm going solo on the podcast. I'm doing a little different differently today. I am just doing a solo episode myself um, with some follow-up questions that came up after I got to interview Chevy Salmon. And it was a really great interview, but it was kind of cut short because we both have limited, limited time. And um, so it's just me um, a little bit reflecting on the podcast with Chevy and I had some listeners send in some questions. So... I hope you enjoy. Let me know. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hey everyone, this is Gila Glassberg here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. And today I decided to go solo. And um, I would like to imagine that this is a podcast sort of like a continuum of my episode with Chevy Samet from last week, but it's, it's, it really is more than that. And I hope that it's thought provoking, but it's also something that you guys will give me feedback on and ask me questions and, um, we can delve into the topic together and, um, you know, really get clarity on this topic of guilt, shame, um, teshuva, regret. Is it regret? Is it I find that word very heavy. Is it um, judgment? is Or is it just like Chevy said, can you think about it as accounting, as reflecting? So um, as somebody who, I'm a dietitian, I'm trained as a registered dietitian, and I worked in a nursing home for five years doing medical nutrition therapy. And over the course of that, those years, I slowly trained in the intuitive eating space with Evelyn Triboli and started my own practice and um, I've just learned so much about psychology. Now, I'm not a therapist and I will never pretend to be one. Maybe one day I'll become one because it's really definitely um, something that I'm drawn to but the counseling aspect of why people eat and how they eat and how they feel about themselves and how they feel about their bodies is so fascinating and no, I don't think that there's a direct connection between our relationship with our food and our bodies and our relationship with Hashem. I don't believe that we could always do that parallel. And I don't even want to. I don't want to for a few reasons. But one reason is that I find it triggering. Like, it kind of took me back to my years in seminary when I didn't, I grew up modern Orthodox and I went to seminary. I went to Tomer Devora, and I definitely changed a lot that year. It was a, it was a formative year, um, for better or for worse. I'll say now, like, you know, 10, 15 years later, like, you know, you learn a lot about yourself that year. So like such a small, tiny portion of your life. So 
it definitely gets you, you know, on the transforming road. But, the, you know, as you get older and you mature, it, it your, your evolution in religion changes. And that is just one year where you really can be selfish. But as as a married person with kids, it's, it's, you, you, it's not the same situation. But anyways, going back to what I was saying in seminary was actually, if, if you knew me in seminary, I was like the healthy girl. Like everybody would ask me questions about healthy food and I would go running every day. And I, I definitely like, that was a part of my identity. And I, I found that it was like such an easy metaphor to say, like, um, I'm exercising willpower in my food, just like I'm exercising willpower in my avodas Hashem. And I just don't really like that as a metaphor because those are not the same things. <laughs> um, so it, can it, can a mashal help you understand like an imshal maybe, but in this situation, I don't find that the parallel is exact. However, I do think that for those who are more drawn to intuitive eating and especially those who have been chronic dieters, so they've been on the side of dieting for a really, really, really long time and they're stuck in diet culture. However, intuitive eating speaks to them because because dieting has been so painful for them and they they they're what we call they've hit diet rock bottom they they know they cannot bring themselves to go on another diet even though they want to lose weight they might not be happy in their bodies they just can't do it anymore it's been years and years and years and they know it doesn't work they know that you know the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results that's kind of like where people get to with dieting so um they, they sort of like, they have all this guilt and shame when it comes to their eating. They have all this guilt and shame when it comes to their bodies. And probably one of the reasons why intuitive eating speaks to them so much is because it's so gentle, it's so kind, and it's so compassionate. And dieting, at least, I mean, I, I'm not here to bash dieting. I'm just here to um, say how I view it is like at least the years that I had been on diets and from what my clients described to me is that it's very uh, even like now with the sly diet culture wellness thing wellness um culture as opposed to diet culture um it's very judgmental it's very harsh it's very if you just tried a little bit harder there's like very little compassion so um intuitive eating is so compassionate and it's so getting in touch with the root problem and it's not it's not um negating somebody's flaws cuz I find that with my clients, they feel like I'm just being too easy on them. Intuitive eating is just being too easy on them. Like, really, like, what they all say to me is, stop it. Like, really push me harder. Really, like, I want you to push me harder. I want to, I don't want to eat that cookie. Like, yell at me, scream at me. And I'm like, you don't need that. You're doing that enough to yourself. And is it working? Has it ever helped? No, it's never helped. Maybe they'll fight with me once or twice and say, yes, it has. I stopped here, I stopped there. I will always challenge that because even if it works once or twice, it does not work in the long run. It doesn't work on us. It doesn't work on our husbands. It doesn't work on our kids. The harsh approach maybe will get you short-term results, but it will not get you long-term results. And that's why intuitive eating isn't just about your eating because it's about the way that you relate to yourself. It's about having compassion for yourself, self-compassion. It's about having self-love. It's about having self-respect. It's about um, treating yourself kindly. It's about noticing your thoughts, addressing them and dealing with them as opposed to, I really um, can't control myself around ice cream. Really, Is that really what it is or are you deprived? Is that really what it is or um, 
have you just, is it the diet police yelling at you and now you're rebelling, right? So really like turning over each stone and figuring it out. And some people are like, I don't want to do that. Just tell me what to eat and I'll, and I'll eat it. They might not be my ideal client. That's fine. Sometimes I do have people like that and that's totally fine. But my ideal client is somebody who is really looking to get to the bottom of it and not just what they're eating because the eating is usually covering up something else. So where am I going with this? I'm going with the guilt in terms of anything. Does it really help us? So I actually did just write a blog post, which hopefully will be published soon. Um, but it's talking about like everybody will relate to Judaism in whatever way it works for them, resonates with them. For me, at least when I am paralleling it with your eating, it's like so obvious to me that the guilt for me has been destructive. Like it really, like if I could just eliminate it completely, I feel like my relationship to Hashem would be stronger and better and more connected. And that's not to say that somebody might not use guilt or shame in a healthy way. I'm not saying that that's not possible. I'm just saying that for whatever reason, maybe it was the way that I was brought up. There was a lot of guilt. Maybe, um, the community I'm from, there was a lot of guilt, Who, whatever the cause is. I could analyze that myself, but me as almost 30 year old woman, that doesn't serve me. Will it in the future? Perhaps, but right now it doesn't. And I'm just paralleling the guilt with our eating and guilt with our Judaism here for a moment because I think that what Chevy and I were discussing is that our Judaism has to mature as we get older. You can't just think of Rosh Hashanah as a scale and there you are mitzvahs and averos. That's a, a kindergarten approach to Rosh Hashanah. And if we never challenge that, maybe that's helpful as a four or five-year-old, but as an adult, that only like minimizes the reality of the day and I think that it does take some maturing and thinking and growing and evolving to start to think about Rosh Hashanah on a different foot and start to think about what resonates with you and what doesn't and I always say this to my clients like it's sort of like taking the contents of a drawer you don't know what's in there it's all mushed up and you dump it out and you look, hmm, I know where I got this from. This was when I was eight, and this was when I was 15, and this is when I was 20. And this part of that thing serves me, and this part doesn't. So you could take that however you want to take it, and you could, I hope that you will evaluate it for your life and your circumstances and your belief system and your thoughts and your reality. I know that for me, it's helping me a lot to grow and to change and I have to say that it's, I, I, I'm thinking about it now, like how long has it been since I'm on this intuitive eating journey or going to therapy or really getting to understand myself? And I would say that it's about five years with a really serious trauma happening in the middle when my mother passed away very suddenly. Um, and maybe that, I don't know, that really got me to think, which I would never wish for it. But um, it, yeah, that happened, you know, like like really big life situations do make you do change your life for better or for worse. But I, I'm really just, I'm recording this here because Chevy and I, dis, our discussion got cut off because we were both, it's just, we're both very busy Baruch Hashem and I wanted to coordinate another interview before Yom Kippur. It's, it's probably not going to work out. And some people said like, it was just, we were just getting to the crux of it. And I was like, you know what, maybe I could record it on my own. But I do want to say that, like, 
please always send your questions, always send your comments, your concerns. If you want to um, bring up a question that I'll answer on the podcast, I'm happy to do that because these are just my thoughts from that, like one part of the podcast. And I, you know me, I have lots and lots and lots of thoughts. Um, but in terms of that, I wanted to, I wanted for you guys to get a little bit of my perspective and, and maybe like tie the knot at the end of that podcast. So I hope you enjoy. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, send it to people that you think will benefit. And I would love to hear from you. Have a great day. Hey guys. So uh, as part of, as part of this same episode with me going solo, um, to talk about my own perspective on Chevy's interview, I had a listener send in some questions and I want to enter them here on the podcast. Um, knowing myself, I'll probably also turn this into some sort of a blog. Um, but <clears throat> I know that I like to um, get my content in all different ways, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, reading books. So I thought it would be fun to answer the questions here. And I'm not being interviewed by anyone. I'm just answering questions. So there isn't a back and forth. But I hope that you, if you guys hear this and something sits well with you or doesn't sit well with you, or there's something that is, you know, maybe like jogging your brain a little bit, but it's getting into question something, I would love for you to write to me my email at bitchesbewithlasters18.gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram. Uh, but let's get to the questions now and um, I'll do my best to answer them without the back and forth. So the first question was, what can we replace the words of guilt and regret with in our vocabulary? What words are more powerful and bold and action-oriented? So um, when I read the question, nothing was really coming to mind except for the words that Chevy and I used in our last interview, which was accounting, which is neutral and reflective. Um, so I don't want to like repeat myself too much, but I was considering just using those words here. However, I decided, you know what, let me do some research and I, um, just typed in the word guilt to Google. Okay. So uh, I'm like, I I'm triggered already because this is literally what came up. Um, guilt, similar, wrong doing wrong. Self-reproach, self-accusation, self-condemnation, okay? So just reading those words is just making me feel, uh, I do not want to look into more of other vocabulary words that represent guilt, because I think that that just speaks volumes. Like, I don't like the word guilt. I don't like the word regret. I don't think that those are powerful, powerful goal and action-oriented words. I really don't. I have to think about it longer. Like I have to like let it like almost like simmer in me. Like what word I'm going to use that represents what Rosh Hashanah is to me. Um, I like accounting and I like reflective, but I do think that there needs to be a little bit more of a sprinkle of judgment um, and regret. I just don't have a positive word right now, but I would love if somebody wants to send me some ideas. Um, for now, I am going to think of it as accounting and and reflective, and I found that that really was one of my, this was really one of my best restaurants. I didn't feel that heavy sense of guilt and, and, and fear, like, because I just don't think we, we the, the physical world that we live in doesn't, um, there's just so much that we don't know about 
in the background. So like um, we say that how we behave on Rosh Hashanah may affect our entire year, but it also may not. Because I know that um, my mom's death was not because, I mean, I don't know for a fact. I did hear this one from Tara Ramon. She said that um, we really never know why Hashem does what he does. There, are, It says in the Gemara there are 10 reasons why Hashem does what he does, and only one of them are only natural punishment. So, um, yeah, I think we are scared. We are made to feel fear around the Tovim, and I just don't think it works for some of us. Like, it's just maybe we just have, like, a guilty conscience, conscience anyways. Um, and I just don't think it's something that is, is motivating at all. Zero. Like, I don't... I'm only saying this now after like maybe five years of like trying to get to the core of the belief guilt that it doesn't work from here, it's not working for me now. So just like releasing that guilt over this Rosh Hashanah was, was very healing and actually really helpful to the, to the actual focus of the day. And, and what I learned in seminary, which is like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, whatever, is that the point of Rosh Hashanah is really Malfa's kingship and in this Rosh Hashanah king. It's not judgment. I mean, I don't like you could fight me on this because I don't really know. I'm just saying what I learned. But um being reminded of that constantly is helpful. Like this isn't about like a scary God who's like has his like sword on his throne and he's like trying to hurt us all. Like I don't know if you guys have that visual, but that visual to me just seems very harsh and negative. So it's just helpful to view it more as like a judgment, not a judgment thing, um, a kingship thing. Although I did say to my husband over Yantif, I said, I don't know any kings. First of all, I don't know any kings. And second of all, I don't know any higher authority members like the president that I value and trust and, and love. So it's a really hard muscle in this day and age. So that's also another thing, like how are we relating to Hashem as our king? So this is just my own idea, my own thoughts. Like I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Okay, so the next question that was sent in is, in terms of our personal health slash self-care, is there ever a time where guilt slash regret or the sub substitution word has a place to propel us to make a positive change or it's the wrong mindset? Um, so in my opinion, I don't believe that, that guilt and or regret really does help these in terms of our self-care and our health because I think that we're just always learning, growing, evolving, and pivoting. Like, if there's something that, like, I'll, I'll give you an example that I've probably said on the podcast before but has helped me. Um, so... I read like a lot of books like at the same time and started implementing things. So for example, I read the book The Surrendered Life, which is um controversial and I'm not gonna talk about it right now. Um, but it did help me in a lot of ways. And I also read the book Intuitive Eating pretty much around the same time. And I really obviously like both of those books and they both helped me make um big life changes. And at the time I was I was, I was new to the concept of self care, like I know it sounds so funny now because it's such a like it's such a well-known thing and everyone talks about it and it's hyped up in the media but it was a newer concept to me that if i'm not feeling good mentally i need to do better i need to take better care of myself i don't know i wasn't i don't know that wasn't like a thing you know back in the day 
and I didn't believe it until I saw the positive effect. I also like struggle a lot with financial anxiety and I don't want to spend money and even things that I really need or for sure bigger purchases. But even if I, you know, didn't need like a really serious like calculation, I still feel anxious when I actually do spend money. And I remember um, one of the principles of intuitive eating is making peace with food unconditional permission to eat. And I thought, could I apply that principle to my spending? Now, I'm not saying you should do that at all. I'm just saying that I thought about trying it for myself. And I said, I'm going to get a manicure once a week. And now, this is the way my brain works, for better or for worse, because it helps with a lot with budgeting, but my brain works. A manicure a week, $10 a week, that means $40 a month. That means um, $480 a year. So that's where my brain goes. I can spend $480 a year on manicure. And I was like, let me try it. So I did it the first week. I did it the second week, the third week. By the third week, I was like, I do not want to be sitting in a nail salon today. That's so annoying. And I was like, annoying. I can't believe I just said that or thought that. Like, annoying to get your nails done? No, come on. It can never happen. So um, I realized, like, I don't need a manicure every week. I don't even want a manicure every week. It's not relaxing for me. It gets boring, whatever the reason. Um, so it's sort of like the same thing to this question, like, if you do something for self-care and then it ends up blowing up in your face because of your child, like, was it a mistake? Did they regret it? Not really. It really gave you a data point. Like I say sometimes failure equals data. It really, really does give you some sort of data. I don't even really like the word failure either, but it's really not a failure because I don't mean to sound so cliche that you learned something, but really you actually did learn something that you could use going forward. So in my opinion, what's what what does the guilt and regret help you? It's just a data point that helps you make a different decision in the future and it will probably continue to change. As you get older, your kids get older, things change in the world, it's just we're continuously evolving. Okay, and now then the next question. You speak a lot about the right mindset to enter into Rosh Hashanah and these days of reflection. And kind of turning it on its head, moving beyond the scale we envisioned as kindergartners. Do you also find that the social construct we've created around these times adds to the stress of the young folk season? Example, we're supposed to have family time, supposed to make certain foods, elaborate menus, dress ourselves and our children a certain way. Do you find that these social constructs need to be reassessed to come to a deeper understanding of our goals during this end of time? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So I actually just had this conversation with my sister today. And I was telling her something that had happened in the last few days that really got me thinking about religion. And I actually wrote a blog post on it and it's on my website. But it, it was it was kind of like an aha moment when it came to religion that I do I know that in at least in our Jewish Orthodox world we say like, is that person religious? Is that person not religious? Right? And then we have the criteria that makes them religious. And then we have this whole spectrum of how religious are they? They're very, very religious, they're not so religious. Um, and even through my interview with Chevy, I realized that yes, a lot of the concepts we have in this adulthood we received as children. That, that's not a bad thing. We we are taught from the second we're born, basically, about our Judaism. But like, let's say for this example um, that was given is like Chevy said, we have this, we have this vision in our head of the scale. So on one side are mitzvahs, good deeds, and on one side are Averos which are bad deeds and if you have more good deeds than bad deeds then the scale moves in your favor and you have a good year. Now 
we know that's not how it works. We leave our children this visual, but that's not exactly how it works. So um, we have to mature in our Judaism, in our spirituality, and in our religion because religion isn't static. Really, nothing in life is really static. So um, I believe that, at least this is what I want to believe, and this is where my this direction of my brain is going, is that especially in Judaism, Judaism is something that we believe that God gave us this religion to connect us to him because he loves us and wants to give us good. And it's not like it takes one year to do that because then we would all be alive for one year. We have around 120 years, although I don't know anyone who's been alive for 120 years, but you know, we have, I don't know, 50 to 80 years to connect to God in this world, in this physical world. And our Yom and Pilgrim, our, our holidays, are there to make us closer to Hashem and closer to God. Part of the holiday is the food and the clothing, but it's only a part of the holiday and it's only to enhance the holiday. So when we become so focused on the food, and so focus on the clothes and I guess what you're saying, the construct that we've created, it does take away from the actual meaning of the day. Now, I don't I don't blame anyone for doing that. I actually think that's like really normal human behavior because it's a lot like the same thing about the food, the same thing when it comes to intuitive eating. It's a lot easier to be upset about binging than to be upset about screaming at your kids, right? It's a lot easier to spend a lot of time and money and emotional energy on what we're wearing for granted, how we're dressing our children, and what we're cooking. Why? Because it's really, really hard to say, what did I do that made me happy this year, and what did I do that made me not so happy? How would I like to change my life? Is my life going in the direction that I want? Those are really hard questions. No one really wants to think about that. And I think that. It is on some level a gift that, that God gave, gives us this time to reflect and it's built into the year. And now that I'm thinking about it, I, I always struggle with this every year. Maybe somebody could help me out here, but I struggle with this every year around Rosh Hashanah time when we told. We have such a loving, nice God. You know how nice he is? He gave us this world and he said that if you mess up, you could always do tshuva. And then imagine if he didn't, he would do an avera, a mistake, and he would kill you. And I'm like, why is that? Why would he make the world any differently? Why? Why does that make him nice? If he created me and I mess up, and he created me to mess up, because we all mess up, and he kills me, like, why is that a favor? Like, why would what would be the point of the world? I don't understand God's ways, obviously, but that I hate. I happen to really dislike when people say that. So um, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like. Rosh Hashanah, the way that the world's created in Judaism and Rosh Hashanah is that it is sort of like a gift that we have this time to reflect, to account. That's why I like those words better than judgment and regret because it's so it's so much more neutral slash positive. Like we're really just accounting and reflecting on our choices and our life and deciding do I want to keep this and do I not want to? And I feel like at least for me and my personality type, it's so much more motivating. Like I, I really did have a better Rosh Hashanah this year 
when I decide I'm like I'm trying to dive in during the first mitzvah when I decide am I going to dive in and after that I'm like I want to connect to Hashem that's not because I feel like well if I don't my whole year is going to go bad how does that help like right like we know that like Hashem doesn't need anything so it's really for our benefit to remind myself and remind myself well it really is for my benefit and that guilt just perpetuates that like Hashem is mean and he needs us to help him and or if we don't then he looks bad or whatever reason that somebody would be mean so I think that it, it really maybe it's just the, the year that we we're in and guilt used to work and now it doesn't but I just for me at least it doesn't so just trying to get rid of it um thanks for sending me your questions if you have any questions or follow-up questions please reach out to me I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a reading and review, and share with people who you may find is a benefit. And just so you know, the more readings and more reviews, the more we move up in the rankings and more people that are looking for intuitive eating and self-care could find this podcast. So it would really mean the world to me if you could do that. Okay, and have a wonderful day. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.